Welcome to everyone tonight. If you are a guest service with us tonight, we're glad to have you. If you're joining us online tonight, we welcome you from wherever you may be watching from. Pray that you are blessed by the service here tonight. Amen. We give honor to our bishop and mother right tonight. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. If you're not standing and you're able to stand, could you please stand? What a great privilege and blessing it is today to have Dr. Blash and Sister Blash with us here at Antioch. I know many of you ladies have been greatly blessed by their ministry at Ladies Conference this weekend. Real quickly, I know some of you that couldn't make it are interested in being able to get the uh, DVDs, watch it, or hear it. As soon as that is finalized, we will get an email out to let you know how you can do that. If you weren't here this morning, and obviously many of you are in other places on Sunday morning, another one of those nights, I apologize, but it's just the way it is. You owe it to yourself if you weren't here this morning to listen or watch the message that was preached here this morning. You owe it to yourself. If you're trying to get to heaven, you need to hear what was preached here this morning. Praise God. So, Dr. Blash, it is such a privilege to have you with us. And it's my hope and prayer that this is only the first and not the last. We've been blessed by you today. We want you to come and take your liberty tonight. Share whatever the Lord has for us. Praise the Lord. You can be seated. And happy, slightly belated birthday to you, Pastor. Beautiful, wonderful, wonderful. My wife is in the building somewhere. I would like for her to come join me. You got her? All right. Just don't let her fall. That's all right. Thank you. Praise God. <laughs> well, I do happen to have, let's see, three daughters. <laughs> I guess. Two are free. I usually just give away the secrets. I don't, again... Not trying to hide it; it's just out there. I've got a, I've got two sons that I can auction off. <laughs> they're both over um, six foot tall. They're they're great students. As far as I know, they've been straight A students all their life, all the way through high school. Um, they I think I think one actually all of the kids have graduated at the top of their class, and I've got one last one. He's at the top of his class, and we can auction them off starting at. Uh, what? <laughs> uh, do I have a bowl of soup? A bowl of soup? A bowl of soup? Do I have a bowl of soup? <laughs> well, I sure hope they're not listening. <laughs> this this weekend, I got to travel and and uh, tag team with my wife, and that's a rare treat. So glad that she was able to make the trip and is here to hang out with me and you again tonight. So I want her to just to spend some moments, just a time and address this great audience. Praise the Lord. 
Praise the Lord. I, uh, I just want to thank you all, and, you know, especially your ladies. I could really send such a love towards us, and, and, I, and I know you're, you're real. And I, I can sense that, and I thank you so much for that love you've shown to us uh, this weekend. Thank you so much. Now, I do want to say just a small, a little word of uh, exhortation of encouragement to a group of women that sometimes feel a little overlooked. Um, you know that we have five children, and you know we we talk about how you know they're you know now between the ages range from 28 through almost 18. But as you know, it wasn't always like that. They started like read. Well, we don't go into the child development too much. <laughs> That's his expertise. But I remember the moments, the times when they were little, how exhausting it was. Yet how much I loved them, but yet how much I sometimes was so drained. I remember going to church and wondering, why am I going anyway? Because... I'm going to just end up either in the nursery or, you know. Uh, but I see here tonight, many of you have, you know, there's a lot of children, in, in little children, different age groups. Thank you for bringing them to the house of the Lord. And I know that sometimes some of you moms, uh, mothers, think, why? If I'm just going to end up in the nursery most... You are starting a very good habit. And they are in the presence of the Lord. Even if they cannot articulate what they're feeling and you, we cannot measure it. It doesn't matter. You're being faithful. You're teaching those children to be faithful. And you're exposing them to the wonderful spirit of the Lord. Now, I know that sometimes, you know, it's tough. In, and it, I don't know your situation. Some of you have to work full-time or part-time. Or some of you are at home. Now, I had the, I, I thank God I had the privilege of staying at home with our children. But even then, I felt like so insignificant. I don't know if anybody in here can relate to this. When, when you feel like... Oh my gosh, when was the last time that I had an adult conversation? When was the last time somebody talked to me and called me by either my name or, you know, whatever, and not just mom? It's so funny how the first time you hear the word mom, you're just so excited. Yeah, she said mom, he said mom. But then after years, like, would you just stop it? (laughs) But to me, a lot of times, those moms... Mothers are those unsung heroes. See, what you do is you give up sometimes your own career plans. And you some, I know I thought often, you know, maybe you had other dreams and, and, and ideas. But what you're doing right now is you are, you are sowing seeds into the hearts and minds of those children that become world changers. And one of the examples that I really like from scripture is a woman called Yochebet, the mother of Moses. 
She only had, and God gave her the opportunity to have a few years only with that baby called Moses. And she used that little bit of time span that she had to put into his identity, to put into his heart and his mind as little as he could understand. She put in him something that would change the course of a whole nation. When I see young people, I see world changers. I see world changers and the potential is always to either side. And I pray that they change the world to the better. Amen. Praise God. So for those of you mothers here tonight who are maybe feeling a little tired and exhausted or looked over, let me tell you, think about David, who was a shepherd boy. And uh, the people thought, oh, he's just a shepherd, but even his own family. But God saw a king. You think you're just a mom. But I'm telling you tonight, God sees a queen. Praise God. You're a queen. You're a child of the most high God. And you're doing what God has created you to do. Keep going. Do not be discouraged. It's a season. And a season they'll grow up. And then they'll open the door for you. And do wonderful things. And not only that, they'll change the world. Amen. Praise God. Praise the name of the Lord. I'm going to be reading from the book of Genesis, chapter number 3, and verse number 8. And I'll also read verse number 9. Again, just uh, let me say it's been such a, a privilege and um, everything, everything has been so wonderful. Just, it's been first class. The ladies, uh, your ladies' district, your district's ladies' leaders, starting with Mother Wright, just uh, Sister Libby, all of them, they did such an excellent job with everything. It's just been first class. And then coming here, it's been the same way, just wonderful. I was trying to download as fast as I could from Bishop's brain at lunch today, and so I've got some good information that I'll take back and share with people, but it's just been wonderful. Um, I, I'm nervous about these next few moments, um, not, not the way you might think. Um, I speak so, so often that becoming like nervous in front of people is almost a non-thing, but... I know I have to give an account to God for what I say, and that's more terrifying than, than nervous. But I, I feel that. I sense that. I want to be able to help you, and I want to stay very focused on where God is directing and leading. And so I need your help. I need you to, to both be open and then to loose me to be free to just minister to you. So before we get too far, I just I know it's a little out of sync sequence, but would you lift your hands and lift your voice? Would you begin to pray right now? God, let there be a two-way anointing here. God, anoint this great congregation. Somebody ask for God's anointing on your life to hear the word. God, anoint this great group of people, Father. Pray, God, that you would help me to say your words clearly. God, to communicate, God, your messages in such a way, your message in such a way, God, that lives would be changed. God, it would be received. God, I'm less worried about it being palatable than I am about it being accurate. God, help me, God, to be a conduit, God, of who you are. 
Oh God, do something mighty, God, and great in our lives, oh God. And for some, Father, it'll be a moment in time that will change their life forever. Do that. And for others, God, it'll be a building, God, of a a great, great tsunami. But it just starts tonight, God, and do that, oh God, I pray. But Lord, beyond all of that, I pray that what happens tonight would spill outside the walls of this church, God. Outside the walls of where we meet, God, week in and week out, into our communities, God. That at the end of the day, as you move through us, God, that somebody would be saved, oh God. Speak to our hearts and give us a great desire, God, to do the work that you've called us to do. Lord God Almighty, help us feel a passion, desire, and a hunger to reach our world. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, Genesis chapter number 3, verse number 8. The language of this in the King James is very interesting, thought-provoking, at least for me. Maybe for you, maybe not. But it, it's, well, I'll just read it. This is chapter number 3, verse number 8 and verse number 9. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. That, that's intriguing to me because the way it's written, and if we just think of it on the surface level and how we would speak, you would hear footsteps, not voices. And so it catches my attention of how they heard it and how this was penned. They heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? I love that scripture. I mean, think about it just for a moment. They're hiding from God on purpose. So, and God knows that. Many of us, if we were trying to reach somebody and they were ignoring us and we knew they were ignoring us, might just walk away. But then God ramps it up a little bit and starts basically to search for them. And what just thrills my heart is that same God who would take time to search for them search for me and searches for you what a wonderful god we have it's not just that we desire him he desires us that blows me away lift your hands one more time father thank you so much for the word thank you for this great great service thank you for all the things that have happened god lord the singing god it's been wonderful and we were blessed by it god honoring the pastor god also brings with it blessings i believe so thank you god for being here and helping us in jesus name and somebody said amen and you can be seated i want to spend the next little while with you on this thought lessons from the battlefield feeling and knowing would you say those two uh, feeling and knowing feeling and knowing one more time feeling and knowing there are a couple of premises or premise i have for you 
Um, one is this. There are some lessons that can only be learned out there in the field. Uh, the Bible talks about the field, and I'm talking about the field in a very simple, in a very similar way, and that is the field of souls. That is why it's ready for harvest. And at times, I think if I were writing it, I would have just slipped the word battle in front of field. Because sometimes it can be that way. But there are some lessons that can only be learned out there. You simply can't learn them in Sunday school. You can't learn them back in a place of, of, of instruction and comfort. You can learn about them. But that's different than learning and really going through them. It's the difference between hearing someone talk about prayer and praying yourself. It's a very different thing. And there are some things you just can't learn until you get out there. As a matter of fact, the struggle of being out there oftentimes produces something on the inside of you, something in your heart, something in your mind that causes maturation to happen that otherwise wouldn't happen. And so what I'm trying to say is that for some of us, there's maturation that simply won't happen until we're in somebody's house teaching a Bible study, explaining the one God, explaining what it feels like to have the baptism of the Holy Ghost or the Spirit of God directing you every day. And until you're in that moment, some things that God spoke in you simply won't fully develop. They'll just sit there and they'll be dormant. But the moment you get in that, that place, and it's, it surprises you almost. So I was thinking about that, and I was here just worshiping with you, and God spoke two things to me that I want to communicate to you um, that I believe will transpire tonight. Number one, I believe that callings will be confirmed in this service tonight. Callings don't always take you away from where you are. Often they take you deeper down right where you are. But sometimes it's a calling into worship or into prayer or sometimes it's a calling deeper into the mission field. But I believe God is going to do that. And the other thing I believe is going to happen is that marriages will be healed in this service. I can't explain the dynamics of it. I'm sorry, I just can't. No, no more than I can explain what happens when you lay your hands on somebody and there's a, there's, there's a thing that happens there and suddenly they're healed. Now I can, I can talk to the theology of it, but the real dynamic of it. So I can't tell you exactly how that's going to happen, but I believe with all my heart it's going to happen. And here's why. When you do what you're called to do, Good things just happen. I, I need a, boy, I need a couple of things. I need more time than I had this morning, so y'all hang on with me. <laughs> Where's that nice gentleman that helped my wife? Come on, brother, would you come on up? How old are you? Let's see, 16, yeah. My, my youngest girl is 22, so that's probably not going to work. But <laughs> You're a good guy anyway. I hate to ask you to, to lay down, but would you lay down? <laughs> I, I go all the way down, my friend, like you're going to lay down. I go, there you go. Well, now, now that's not exactly, just on your back is good. <laughs> I won't keep you there very long. 
I want to reference a scripture that I pray you already know. If you don't, you can always look it up. It's in the book of Genesis, and God is creating Adam. He's creating Adam with his own hands, as it were, um, if I can use that, the hands of God. And Adam, you're not alive yet. And, and, and he creates Adam and, and, uh, he makes sure he has all his fingers and his toes and, and the Bible gives us great, great, great information about how this all happens. He creates him out of dust and, and, and then Adam, who, who is just basically a very well formed pile of dust, um, now has to have a final step and the final step is that the Bible says that God basically breathes or blows into his nostrils and and when he does that it's not the same as my breath or your breath this would be this would be something analogous to spiritual cpr it's just amazing and that doesn't even do it justice and so he he blows into him and i'm not going to do it don't worry you, you can't you can't see what i could see but he was holding his breath he was like oh. <laughs> and i couldn't read his expressions very well but i'm pretty sure his eyes scream halitosis is coming don't worry, I'm not going to blow on you. And, and, and so he, he, he blows into Adam and Adam, this breath of life, and Adam becomes a living soul. Now, now listen, Adam becomes a living soul and Adam gets up. Now, now when Adam is up, when Adam is up, we start to learn and understand what happens in that breath. We don't see everything. Because not everything is unfolded right away. But one thing we notice is Adam, Adam can stand upright. And so Adam has uh, intellect. He can walk and talk with God and he knows things. And so we can watch Adam walk and interact and we can then understand what happened in that moment of time. I don't, the Bible gives us no indication that that was a long breath, that it took years, just a moment in time, a moment in time of God's present, a presence operating in you can change everything about you how many ever been to the altar and you left change and and, and so now we have adam here and god god designs adam and he designs him in the most most marvelous ways now you have to step down a little bit on these stairs because i i need you to be shorter than me one more i am so sorry for what i have to do but Right here. Y'all don't know this, but that's about eight foot of hair in there, just all compacted. You can't see it, but God does something in this great brain of Adam. I'll give you the the very basics. Little bitty babies, and I saw some. There's some around. There's one. There's just kind of everywhere. Amazing how that happens, right? They're just everywhere. And and little bitty babies, as their brain is developing and forming, it's, imagine it being pretty much this this blank slate that starts to form and develop. And and what's forming and develop, if I can put it like this, would be um, interstates or highways where information will ultimately travel. And so this is this incredible, incredible neuron or network of neurons, maybe a hundred billion, give or take a few billion, incredible network of neurons are forming as these hemispheres are developed and all the parts and pieces are connecting together. And if the baby is is as well taken care of and nourished and touched like this. No, it's true. It's true. Then, then, then I should have used a little one, but they, 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 when I do this with little babies, real babies, they spit and all that stuff and it's bad. And plus... 
plus they steal the show. And, and uh, here, there. And, and when you do this, it's amazing because nourishing that baby and that touch, God designed those little ones that they needed the touch. And so the touch causes, it, it stimulates this growth in a way that doesn't happen if this child is, is malnourished or not cared for. If that happens, often that little beauty baby will not grow. They will have what's called failure to thrive inorganic organic failure to thrive but if they get this kind of loving and so this is happening now this is something that god designed now watch this this is imp- i know his hair is messed up you'll get over it but, but watch this this is important because then god also designed not just in moms but also in dads this kind of innate uh, desire to nurture and to touch and to coddle and to kiss and to and it, come here Bob. <laughs> and to touch and it right it's what parents do I mean, watch the kids. Half the kids don't learn to walk until they're like eight because people want to carry them everywhere. Because it's what we do, right? So he put that in the mom and the dad. And if the mom and dad will just do what God has kind of designed them to do, the natural byproduct of doing what they have been designed to do is that they will get, for the most part, a healthy, well-developed brain. You don't have to do anything special or extraordinary, just the things that God already put in you to do. That's on a natural level. Now imagine how that might look on a spiritual level. Watch this. What else did happen in that brain of yours? Come up here with me. So, so let's say, tell me your name again. Great name, Timothy. Great name. Timothy, let's say that you are, you're a little depressed. Can you give, me a, give them a depressed look? <laughs> you just haven't suffered enough life yet, buddy. <laughs> Given about 30 years, he'll really know how to do it. <laughs> like, uh, but we're going to go with that. Thank God. Thank God. Right. So, so, so just kind of shoulders down, head down, moping, and just kind of walk with me. And, 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 and now this isn't how he normally is, but he acts like this. And uh, he mopes around, and, and his friends are wondering, what's wrong with him? Man, are you okay? Are you eating all right? Nah, I don't have much of an appetite. Whoa. Well, that's new. I don't know about you, but my boys eat everything they can find, especially that younger one. <laughs> I'm going to auction him off for a little bit cheaper because he's going <laughs> to. And, uh, well, how are you sleeping? He says, well, I sleep, I sleep too much, or I don't sleep at all. Well, what about life, man? What do you think about, you know, what's going on? I don't care. His friends say, man, you're depressed. You better go see somebody about that. So he does. Go see a doctor. Hang on for a second. I'll find one. <laughs> hey, what's going on? And he says, uh, well, doc, I don't know. Because he's a guy. He says, I, I'm just feeling off. He is not going to drop the D-bomb. He ain't going to say the D-word. All right, man, that was free. Uh, I'll leave you alone. So, so well, I'm just feeling blue. Well, tell me about it. Well, I don't care about anything, and I don't, I'm not eating. I'm not sleeping well. I'm just, I just don't know what's wrong with me. I'm dragging, and it's bad, and it's just getting worse. And, and the doctor says, well, my goodness, I think you, you're depressed. 
Gave him the same diagnosis as his friends, but going to cost him three times as much. Just saying. Well, let me help you with that. He says, now here, listen, you go, you go to the pharmacy and you get that filled and you start taking that right away. And if you have any problems, you know, in the next 24 or 48 hours or so, call me right away. If it gets strange or weird, but other than that, you ought to be fine. And he sends him off. He goes to the pharmacy. And now, now what the doctor just gave him was a prescription most likely for an SSRI. It stands for Selective Serotonin Reuptake Inhibitor. Got that? Selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor. Say it with me. I'm kidding. <laughs> Why don't we just call it an SSRI? We do that for good reason. So he takes that, that antidepressant, and here's what it does. His brain produces the neurotransmitter serotonin all by itself. I know it's Sunday. I'm not talk, I know I'm talking about chemistry, but hang on with me. It'll get better. His brain produces serotonin naturally, automatically. It just does it. It's a part of what God did when he built him. Serotonin is a natural happy drug. Mm, yeah. Bring it on, Lord, bring it on. And God will bring it on. But the pressures of life, the cares of life, the problems of life, the sicknesses of the body will cause your brain to absorb or to uptake serotonin so fast that it, does, it doesn't have time to do anything in your body that's good for you. And so that drug says, whoa, slow down, brain. Don't eat that so fast. Take that serotonin up nice and slow, and it takes it up slower. And as a result... The serotonin stays in your body longer, your brain longer, and you feel better. So after a few days, man, he's feeling all right. He's feeling all right. Now I'm going to ruin Christmas right now. You just, just stay right over there. I'm about to ruin Christmas right now. I'm so sorry. Pastor, this is probably going to, he's going to revoke my invitation to come back. Now, oh, I shouldn't even, I can't do it. I just can't do it. No, he's the one who's got to give me permission. Do it. <laughs> Bishop said do it. Now, if you need 10 milligrams of an antidepressant to help you, but you eat a great deal of simple carbohydrates, now you need 20 milligrams to help you. Because simple, if it's sweet and it tastes good, basically then it is a breeding ground for anxiety and depression and mood disorders. Christmas, uh, except for chocolate, Bishop, if it's dark chocolate. He already warned me, don't, go, don't get on my chocolate. So, all right? No, 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 this is important. This is important. If you're going to take an antidepressant and eat this stuff, you are not serious about being healed. Don't play. This is like talking about fried chicken in the South, man. I told them to stop eating that stuff and they about shut me down. <laughs> so I'm going to tell them to get off, all that, get off all that sweet stuff. If it's sweet and tastes good, you can't eat it. 
So he's going to take those antidepressants and he's going to feel better in a few days and he's going to kind of be his old self. Oh man, that's just wonderful. I'm feeling better. Thank the Lord. I am feeling better. And, and that's fine. He's feeling better. There's nothing wrong with that. Good. Good for you. You're feeling better. So glad. Bravo. Okay, let's rewind this scenario. Let's say that on any given Sunday, on any given church day, on any given whatever day it is, Timothy comes to church, Timothy, right? Comes to church, and man, the music is worshiping. So he lifts his hands, and he starts worshiping God. Give me a little worship out of you. Oh, yeah. Come on. You, look too, you almost look too good to worship. <laughs> but if that was really true, that would be a problem, you know. But I, I'm, I'm going to leave you alone, right? And, and, uh, I listen, I done took the pastor's sweets, and I'm messing with his son. I know I know I'm on thin ice. Just let me be for a little bit. I got to clean it up. And give me some worship. And, and he starts to, he can't hold it anymore. He starts doing this little business right here, right? He starts doing this right here. And he starts working. Why am I doing this? I got two more hours of preaching to do, man. I need you to do this. And he starts doing this. And guess what happens in his brain? Not only does his brain begin to produce more of that serotonin. Oh, it's, it's God's happy. You see, when he had Adam on the ground, he was doing some things in Adam that would correspond with the instructions he would give Adam later or the offspring of Adam, such as worship me and spirit and in truth. And so if, if, if the spirit of God will get on him, he has to be nothing more than just apostolic and just respond. And if he'll start doing this, it's like taking an antidepressant. Uh, you, you can't do it for just 30 seconds. You really got to do it. We are a dancing generation. Watch this. So then the spirit of the Lord moves on David, he dances. That same spirit moves upon the church. And if the church would just do what she feels to do, that's natural and organic that got passed down from Adam for what God did, the church will be a worshiping church. And guess what happens in the brain? He's just doing what he was designed to do. I'm, I, I, I could be wrong. Well, I'm not wrong about what I'm about to say because it's a true testimony with my own eyes. But in other places, it may happen differently. But in my experience, I've never seen a spiritual baby birds where they didn't move I've seen people who were confined to wheelchairs and couldn't stand and when they got the Holy Ghost it was like this all everything that could move was moving I've never seen anybody receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost that did not move. I believe when people get the baptism of the Holy Ghost, that same wind or that same breath that blew into Adam falls upon them. And it causes them to do things that are good for them. I need, I need you.
you can be just you don't go far, but but you can go. If I had time, I would tell you about the power of prayer. Got time. Worship, that anaerobic movement. Get that in about 20 minutes or so, just worshiping God. Not only does it produce serotonin, which is a natural happy drug, it also produces a few other neurotransmitters that we need in our body, such as endorphins. Some people have said endorphins are 50 to 500 times more powerful than morphine. Your brain is so well designed. Hang on, I promise you I'm going to get to this message. Your brain is so well designed that if you're driving down the street and you hear the screeching of brakes close enough that you know you're about to be hit, before there is impact, your brain will send endorphins to the right side of your body because that's the way the car is coming because your right ear picked it up before your left ear. Your brain automatically knew what side it was on and it will send endorphins there to absorb the blow that's about to happen. That's in the natural. Can you understand what it must be like in the supernatural? He did all that to Adam. One breath. One breath. Wow. Prayer. Dopamine is another neurotransmitter, and dopamine has implications on everything from attention span to mood to how you sleep at night. It regulates so many of your systems, and of course, they all work together. Not only does serotonin need to be regulated, but dopamine needs to be regulated as well. And so a person that walks into a prayer environment, a prayer room, it doesn't matter if it's quiet, deep, just just that kind of prayer, or if it's that marching, I'm in war prayer, doesn't matter, it matter. They walk into prayer, and in that time of prayer, there is this, this, this covering, and that's the best way I can describe it. But what it does is it brings this peace. I, I know this doesn't it, doesn't, it won't make sense to everyone, because even if the prayer is a spiritual prayer, that, that there is still peace in the vessel somehow although there's a war going on and it produces a peace and a calm that that somehow impacts even dopamine so that if we would really take our problems and our struggles and our troubles to the prayer room it's not something new it's not something unusual it's what he's called us to do anyhow let me be more direct than that you almost, if, if you got the Holy Ghost in you or even around you, you almost have to try not to worship. You almost have to just kind of push it down and quench it. If you feel the Spirit of God coming upon you when you've got a struggle, it's, you've almost got to work hard not to pray because all those things are natural. Why is God trying to get you to do this? It's not just because he wants you to be spiritual. It's a part of it. But he built your body to desire this. Oh, God in heaven. I'm so glad I'm a part of a church that knows how to pray. I'm so glad I'm a part of a church that worships the Lord. I'm so glad that occasionally we run, occasionally we shout, 
Occasion we jump. Occasion we're on our face before him. I'm so thankful for my apostolic heritage and roots and what we've learned. This is who God has designed us to be, and it's only the tip of the iceberg. Somebody said feeling and knowing. Now, that's important. What I just said is important because I want to make that connection for you between who God has called us to be and how when we walk in there, there are benefits, both spiritual and natural benefits. And we don't walk in there. There are consequences that are both spiritual and natural. And what I didn't say earlier that I should have said is that I said this. I said there'll be tonight there'll be callings confirmed and marriages that are healed. But if you miss that, every time the presence of God is here to do that for you and you miss it for whatever reason you grow a little bit harder and over time that calling in you can become very cancerous so you can't miss it you can't miss it when you're doing what you're called to do good things happen somebody said i feel i feel is a statement we make when we're giving a verbal report that articulates some physiological state or some psychological perception of the moment, I feel cold. I feel warm. I feel isolated. We're trying to explain to people what's happening on the inside. But when I say to you, I feel God, that's another kind of report. It's one that's based on mutual attraction. It's connected with the relationship and there's mutual desire. I want to feel God and he wants to feel me. Remember, it was God that went looking for Adam. In the garden, Adam, where art thou? Jeremiah chapter 29, verse number 11 through verse number 14 says this. For I know the thoughts that I have toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Then shall ye call upon my name, and ye shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. Ye shall seek me, and ye shall seek me, and find me, when you shall search for me with all your heart. Verse 14, and I will be found of you, saith the Lord, and I will turn away your captivity, and I will gather you from all the nations, from all the places whither I have driven you, saith the Lord. And I will bring you again into a place whence I called you to be carried away captive. There is a spiritual perception that is different than the natural perception. Unlike in the natural, when you say, I feel cold, that's a happenstance. That's somebody tinkering around with the AC. That's the time of year. When you say, I feel warm condition of your physical environment that can be manipulated. When you say, I feel God, it's very different because the cold didn't come looking for you. All right. 
If you don't like where you are, you can, tr- you can fly somewhere cold and it's going to be there when you get there, but that's you looking for a cold spot or the cold came to you in a season. Or if you feel warm, that warmth did not come. Warmth didn't wake up in the morning going up trying to find pastor, right? Warmth didn't do that. Warmth didn't come looking for you. But when you say, I feel God, then that's different because not only were you seeking after him, but he was seeking after you. It's based on a relationship. Cold can't do nothing for you. Warmth can't do nothing for you. But if God came looking for you, there's a reason and a rationale behind him looking for you. Hang with me. Would you, would you indulge me just a little bit more neuropathology? Two people said yes. Okay, good. <laughs> the rest of you are going, I hate chemistry. I hate chemistry. I hate biology. I'm messing with you. The brain is filled with neurological pathways that are responsible for knowing, for grouping and channeling knowledge. God gets you started by making sure you have some body parts that are responsible for receiving information. He did that for Adam. First of all, you have ears. Your ears, if they are normally functioning, they respond and they can detect vibration or sound that's less than one billionth of an atmospheric pressure. Just the rubbing back and forth of your fingers close enough to your ears, and they pick it up. He made sure that you would have eyes. The eye, if it's healthy, can see for somewhere around three miles without magnification. He made sure that you could smell. That's different than, never mind. You have... 10,000 olfactory receptors in each nostril. They're amazing. They take chemicals that are flowing through the air and they receive them and change that chemical to a neural pulse and you go, bacon. I go, broccoli. (laughs) He made sure you can taste bitter, sweet, salty. You get it. You can taste something that tastes bad, like sour milk, and you'll spit it out. He did all that for you. He gave you the sense of touch. You can feel the weight of an ant on your skin. All this informs knowing. Natural man then can know based on what is seen, felt, heard, smelled, or tasted. And then those together, natural man can sense to some degree based on experience. So all knowing then, on top of what I just told you, all knowing has to be built upon the knowledge of something you already knew. Based on these senses. In other words, first graders don't start learning calculus. Uh 
you start with what are numbers. And then you move to more advanced mathematics. And ultimately you grow and you develop. There is no knowing that happens without some prior or previous knowing. God designed your brain that it would work that way. But if that's all we have, then we're in trouble. Because there are some things that you have to know that you don't have time to learn the natural way. It's a person that has no knowledge of theology, doesn't really have knowledge of prayer, but they know there's more than what they have, and so they open the Bible, and they begin to ask God to show them or to reveal to them, and they're asking God to violate this natural order and through some other way give them what they otherwise wouldn't know. I was in a church service maybe a year or two ago, and uh, there's a girl there, pretty young, teenager. Uh, she's wonderful. She was birthed. She was born in our church. Um, not literally, but she was one of the first babies born in our church. Yeah. I don't do that. <laughs> and uh, she's, she's an amazing young lady. Very gifted. Very in tune with the spirit. Just amazing. We're having church. We're worshiping God. We're praising God. And we're having a good time. And people are dancing. And people are waving. And people are doing all that stuff. And she comes, uh, she comes on the side and she grabs my attention. And, Pastor, Pastor, I talk to you. Uh, oh, what's going on? She goes, I just heard from God. I said, well, what did he say? She said, he gave me a word for somebody. Now, she is one of the 14-year-olds that you can give the mic. You can give her the mic if you want to. I didn't want to, but you could have. Could have you know, a person could do that. I said, well, what do you expect to do with it? She goes, well, I don't want to tell everybody because it's only for one person. But I need to make sure I tell you first to see what you think. I said, well, what is it? She gave me a word about somebody in the congregation that I had only learned that thing to be true a few hours before that and there was no way in the world she knew it or could have known it. It didn't come through her eyes, her ears, she couldn't smell it. There was no way she could have picked it up. Here's the problem. The only way to know anything is you've got to have that knowledge based on previous knowledge. The exception is through the supernatural operation of the Spirit of God. I still haven't told you what I want to tell you, but but this little girl tells me this this thing that was revealed to her, and I know it's accurate, and I say, you go, and you tell the person what God told you, and she did, and then I looked up, and she had her hand laid on that person, praying for that person, that other lady, in Jesus' name. And there was deliverance. And I'm going, God, you're good. You got to, let me tell you what I'm really trying to say. Some of you have questions, but those questions will never be answered in the natural. You can stop looking in the natural. They're not going to be answered until you get an answer. You get in touch with the supernatural. And that oftentimes will not happen until you are out there in the harvest field. 
You've got to see what I'm saying. There are people in your community who need Bible studies. And one day, something is going to grip your heart and you're going to feel the need to give them the study. And on your way to teach that Bible study, God is going to give you understanding about a question that you've had a long time about yourself. I'm not done, but I feel the Holy Ghost. Stand with me for a moment. I need about another 30 minutes, but I want you to lift your hands right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, move us ever closer to the harvest field. And as you do, God, reveal unto us, God, what we need to know, God, to do the work, God, with your people. God, there's a harvest field out there. And at the same time, there's revelation locked up within me. Watch this. You can be seated. I need a a responsible young lady. Maybe, I don't know, Sunday school teacher, minister's wife, somebody like that. Anybody in here like that? Okay, perfect. Good, good, good. I've learned if I qualify it like that, I, I, I get someone who will help me. All right, this is good. Can you come up here with me? Are you good? All right. Now, let's see. I need you and you. Uh-huh. Come on up. Either either one of y'all married? <laughs> Good. Go stand over there. You're, you're, you go stand over there too. Just stand together. That's good. Perfect, perfect, perfect. Watch the why. If she and I are talking and she says, you have any kids? Do you have any kids? Oh, I do. Got two lovely boys. One of them's got this smooth box cut, you know. Other one's just kind of a just just dapper, got braces, you know. Just nice kids, and their name their names are. And I forget sometimes, but Jordan and Chester, you know, uh, they're great kids. Great kids. Thank you so much for asking about my kids. Just great kids. And uh, she says, "Well, what grade are they in?" Well, uh, seventh and eighth and ninth, ninth and eighth grade. They're in ninth and eighth grade. Oh, let me tell you, they're as smart as they come. And she says, I say, you know what? Hey, I, uh, I actually need a babysitter. And she goes, well, they sound like nice kids. I'll do it. I'll do it. Okay. Now, now come on, let's, let me, but I need to tell you that, that one of them has a food allergy. And you know anything about those food allergies? 
Yeah. Okay. The other one is got some asthma problems. And so we keep the nebulizer and we keep his treatments in a drawer that's in the kitchen. It's marked very, very clearly. Right. And, and you got to watch out because this one of them loves to eat sweets, but diabetes runs in my family. So we have all sugar free foods. You see, the closer I let her get to my kids, the more I tell her about my kids and the more I can tell her about herself. There are some things that I'll never reveal to her about my children as long as she's not approaching them. There's some things she'll never learn about herself until she starts. So when you are way over here somewhere and, and you're way away from the field where the harvest is right, no wonder God isn't speaking to you in intimate ways. But you start moving toward that harvest field and suddenly he's going to tell you more than there are about a thousand people in this community that need Bible studies. He's going to tell you the details about how really to reach them and take care of them. But you can't Get that knowledge over here. Watch this. Are you married? Do you have a significant other in this church? Is he here? Where? <laughs> hiding in, why are you hiding in the back? <laughs> Does he always hide back there? No. Good, because we're going to have to talk. <laughs> I know, I saw him sitting on the front over there earlier. How, uh, oh, it's very significant. <laughs> Stay right there for a second. Let's assume these two love God. And, uh, but, but they've got some growing up to do because you married folks need to hear this because they still have spats over small things that don't matter, but keep them out of the field. They still do things to each other that help to disqualify them from feeling spiritually ready to be in the field. But now they're all motivated after a prayer meeting or after a preaching or after whatever. They're all motivated to get in the field. And they're about to go and they're about to get in the field. And those kids out there who are lost are just as much as God's kids as those kids who are saved. There are lost brothers and sisters is one way of looking at them. And let me, let me say it like this. God died for the lost, not the saved. They're just not in the kingdom yet. They're coming. So they're all there excited because there's a couple of young folks that are going to let them teach them Bible study. Happen to be my kids, and I'm going to play God in this skit because I designed it. <laughs> that's, a, that's the nature of things, isn't it? And they start walking toward the mission field. Just real slow. Real slow. But they've not worked out some key differences between the two of them. They've not ironed things out. My God in heaven. Married folks, you got to hear this. You're going to be dogged by some things until you start marching toward the field. God is not interested in us just hanging out in the building. I know you know that, but some are struggling with it. 
God's going to begin to convict them about how they treat each other on the way to the field. They never would have got this revelation. They never would have got this understanding had not they made a commitment to teach more Bible studies. They never would have got it. But what God is doing, he's unleashing something on the inside of them that they need to be able to work well in the field. Because that's what he designed them to do. One of the greatest travesties of marriage is that when people stand at that area there they're thinking this is about physical procreation when indeed it's more about spiritual procreation than anything else Adam, Eve be fruitful, multiply, subdue it all I feel the Holy Ghost helping some of us right now just stay there for a second y'all there's a field out there Hope you feel it. Hope you're connected to it. But there's some things in you that need to be birthed that will not be birthed until you make a commitment to walk toward it. Here's the truth of the matter. I'm not reaching anybody. Sometimes I think it doesn't matter how I live. If I'm not teaching anybody, I don't have to commit to studying it. But the moment I make a commitment to being on the battlefield, Now I'm doing what God has designed me to do. And great things happen. Some of us, you know what? My wife and I have good services. We have good church and we do good things in our service. And occasionally we'll hold hands and we'll dance together. And we'll teach or something. But you know what's really special? Is get us in a house with about four or five people. No music, no music, no, no smooth, nothing like that. We usually, I'm telling you, it, it, it's, it's, we're, we get coffee cans sometimes or they'll give me a little chair to sit on a little plastic chair that makes a little hollow sound like that. It becomes a drum and we're in there just four or five or six or seven people who can't even sing on key going in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we have the victory. Oh, in the name of Jesus. And there's about four or five people who are not church, and they're, they're going right there, and every time we say Jesus, they're cringing. <laughs> Their house still smells like somebody was smoking. I don't know what it was. They, they were smoking, yeah, but they were smoking something up in there, and they're doing that. I'm looking over at my wife, and something between us says, we were built to do this. We were designed to do this. There's an intimacy. There's an intimacy that then somehow is increased in that moment. God blew it into Adam. He blew it into Eve. I believe the very same way. And he unlocked something on the inside of us that wouldn't have been unlocked otherwise. Let me conclude with this. Y'all did such a good job. Thank you. Kids, go back. Be good. You kids are so good, you deserve an increase in your allowance. Double. No, no, triple. (laughs) I'm good to my kids. (laughs) Just real quick, I'm going to finish up. We, uh, you have a great church here. You have a great church system in this region. And uh, we're just starting this process we're about 18 years in, so it's really relatively young. But we've had enough experience that we send people off now who 
have not pastored anyone. They've not really carried the weight of other people's souls. Oh, they've answered my calls when I said I can't get to the hospital right now. It's an emergency. Will you go? They've done that. But they've not carried the real weight, and now they're carrying the real weight, and they're coming back, and they're going, Pastor. <laughs> I'm usually laughing. I'm usually going, on the inside. <clears throat> I'm going, you're strong enough for this. Suck it up. What's going on? This is heavy, heavy load. So, well, is it going to crush you? No. But it's heavy. So you know why it's not going to crush you? Because you felt a little bit of it along the way. But you could have never learned what it feels like to carry the fullness of it until you were away from me. Lifting, lifting, teaching, preaching. Hearing people promise, I'll be there. They don't show up. Becoming disappointed. And they're growing in the field the way they could have never grown had they not got out there and buried themselves in souls. One year, I don't remember why this happened, but it happened. I was trying to transfer responsibility and leadership and and let the body be the body. And, and I said, you know, we have people who are sick and you call the pastor and I don't mind that, but, but have you ever thought about laying hands on them and praying for them? And so I went to WEC, the world evangelist, world evangelism center. And I, I purchased a bunch of little bitty bottles of oil like this. And I said, I'm going to give it, give you these bottles and, 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 and we're going to fill them up. And I want you to take this full bottle. It was only a few ounces. And I want you to, to take this bottle and I want you to come back with it empty and we're going to go pray for somebody and we're going to fill that bottle up you pray for your neighbors and you pray for folks and one lady she was pretty new in the church Uh, she was really rough too and I wasn't quite sure what she would do as a matter of fact she was kind of a bruiser and uh, it, she could have just as easily beat someone up and then prayed for them in Jesus' name with that oil. As it, I mean, she was just, she was rough, but she was trying and she was eager and she was happy about it. And so I gave her a bottle of oil and told her that they needed to be hurt first. Not, you know, I mean, make sure that you don't hurt them. And, and, and I told her how to do it all. And, and, uh, and she took that oil and she was so excited. It was the very first time that she was going out into the field to try and help somebody, to try and let someone experience what we experience, to try and be an extension of the arm of Christ. It was the very first time she was doing something like this. She took that bottle of oil and, and she didn't have that bottle of oil, but just for a few days and she found herself with some serious medical conditions. I think it was her heart and, and some organs. They were just shutting down. It was really, really bad. And she was rushed to the, the hospital and ended up up staying in the hospital for a few days and uh and but she still had faith as a matter of fact she said that her roommate was moaning and her roommate also had heart problems and had to go in for heart surgery i think was scheduled to go in within a day or two and she said she was suffering through the middle of night and her roommate said i think i'm dying she said pastor i remembered right then and there i had some oil She was sick in the hospital, but her roommate was dying, and she got that oil, and she just did what I taught her to do. 
Just empty it all in your hands and splat them. I've got more scripture for that than I do for the dobbing, dipping, you know, I'm just saying. Whole running down the beach. I'm just, okay, whatever. So, <laughs> you do it your way, I do it my way. And, uh, and so she, she, she unleashed the whole, the, the whole clip on her. <laughs> she got over there, got that lady all oily. Pray for her. She was so happy to pray for some. She didn't care if she died. You know why? She was finally in the field. And it felt so natural. She was built for this. Designed for this. Called for this. This is the church of the living God. He instructs us to do this sort of thing. She's out there and, and, and she's out there and she, she lays hands on that lady and she prays for her and that lady stops moaning and says, oh my goodness. She goes, your hand is so hot on my chest right now. This couldn't have happened at home, but out there in the field, the strangest place, it was in the hospital right there. Her hands felt so hot. Now listen, what she was saying is I feel hot, but that wasn't just heat. What she didn't know was she was also feeling God. He doesn't seek after you, but God seeks after you. And that lady that got prayed for was healed. She was healed. Our poor lady suffered for about two more days and her symptoms just disappeared. There was no explanation. She just got better and better and better. The lady she prayed for was sent home with vitamins. And our lady was just sent home. And she called me and she says, I need some more oil. It was like she went, give me another one, pastor. Give me another one. Stand with me. I have to tell you this as well. I didn't have to fight her about devotion, dedication, prayer. The scriptural understandings that I thought she needed to have, she received them easily when she was in the field. It's just that before that time, you see, before that time, she didn't have purpose. And without purpose, standards rarely stick I mean, tell me why. Why do I need to live this way? Why do I need to walk this straight and narrow? It makes no sense until you realize there's a purpose, there's a reason, there's a rationale for it. And suddenly, why do you need to have a good marriage? Because you don't want to take chaos into somebody else's house. So now it, it makes it worth spending the, uh, worth spending the extra time to work it out. Why do I need to be separate and holy? Why do I need the Spirit of God flowing through me? Because there's a field. And I, I know it. I know it. I knew it before I came. Some of you won't get this until you go, let me try this. I know somebody who I can talk to about God. 
I'm going to do it. And you're going to take a step. It always happens. And God's going to check you. He's going to say, what about your own heart? You never would have heard that. But you made a commitment to go towards his kids. And just like you're not going to let just any old babysitter up in your house. He's going to ask you, how about yourself? And if your desire to be in the field is great enough, you'll say, God, search me. Not so I can be perfect, not so I can be holy. Those things are great. But God, what do I need to do in me to get out there? He'll say, well, you know, your pride, it's in the way. You haven't got to the field yet. The first step to the field is often on your knees. <laughs> oh, God, my pride is in the way. Been this way for a long time, and you cry it out. You repent it out. You pray it out. You get up. God, I want to go to the field. You take another step. He tells you more about his babies. And he tells you more about yourself. You know, you overanalyze every message that's preached. You say, well, God, I didn't, I'm not trying to be disrespectful, God. It's just the way my mind works. And God says, I love your mind. I know all about your mind. I created it. But you're scrutinizing my word to your own destruction. I can't even speak to you because if the speaker, if my vessel isn't your favored one, you can't even hear me. And the second step to the field is also often until you get it. Until you get it. Some of us are hard-headed. We don't get it right away. So we do the up and the down and the up and the down. And then ultimately you get it. God, the only way to the field is like this. And you crucify your flesh. And you die daily. And you give up yourself. And something in you is released. Husbands and wives who do this together, they let go of petty arguments because they can't hold that and get deeper, as deep into the field as God wants them to be. Come on, anybody feel a call towards the field? It's white. It's ready for harvest. God's calling you your first step your first step is right here at the altar and the Lord saith unto the servant go out into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled say not ye that there are four months and then cometh the harvest Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes, Antioch. Look on the fields, for they are white and ready to harvest.
you were designed to do this. Everything else you do other than this is extra. But you were designed to do this. The greatest calling. For I came to seek and to save that which was lost. How can that be true of our master and also not be true of us if we are really his? Oh God. Come on somebody, you gotta step out by faith. You're not gonna feel it. You're not gonna sense it until you make a step in his direction. God's going to help you by calling your name. He'll come after you, but then you've got to respond to him. Leave me, Lord. Give me hunger for souls, God. Give me hunger for the lost. The burden's got to be mine. Oh. Leave me, God. Somebody pray into the passion for the loss overwhelms you. Pray into that passion causes you to examine yourself. Pray into you're willing to lay yourself down. Pray into you're willing to lay aside the weights and the sins.
call for a little while now but the Holy Ghost is not done come on some of you may be done but the Holy Ghost is not done I give myself to you. I give myself. 
Sing. 
to Thee, my blessed Savior.